change It's like my dreams gotta reach This pain and all this grief If you see God and you have to speak Tell him it's crazy in these streets Feel my pain and it's so deep You're on Pastor Phil Welcome to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets with my great co-host, Pastor Jay and Ruck Boy on Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 154. Yo, what's going on? What's going on? This is Pastor Phil with Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. I know I just said it twice because we do it in the intro, but you know I got to say it live in the booth. Um, we are talking this, this, this series, man. I don't even know how long this series is going to be because we really want to put an exclamation mark on people's heads, minds, heart, and spirit around why can't she preach? Why can't she pastor? You know, why can't she lead? And the reality of how women, African-American women, even more specifically, um, have been treated and challenged uh, by a male theology, a masculine theology that has really oppressed women in preaching and teaching that we are tired of. And though we're in 2023, you would think people would have not an adoptive theology from a pastor from another church or uh, just a, a, a mindset that says, I'm going to believe what he says uh, and don't really have any theological backbone around it. You would think people would have matured to that, but but it is so harmful to the body of Christ. Uh, I mean, that's my biggest issue is that how harmful we are, we're creating um, the, the these areas of harm um, that, that God is wanting to bless and impact the, the, the kingdom, impact the body of Christ. How many more people um, uh, are we missing or have missed or have left the church because of the theology of that level of oppression? So we, again, are here with a great pastor, teacher, leader, uh, um, executive director of of uh, both Landmark uh, Missionary Baptist Church and um, uh, Breakthrough Urban Ministry, Dr. Yolanda Fields. What's up, Yolanda? I am so grateful and thankful to be with you, Pastor Phil. I am well. Amen. 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 We are going to dive into your uh, story. You're going to share like just from your heart. Um, we really want people um, and we want, want, want folks who are listening to like put aside what you may have grown up in and thought um, and recognize, you know, why is it that other people's mail in the New Testament and even the Old Testament principles am I adopting so rigidly in the 2023? When you read the New Testament, you're reading other people's mail, the church in Corinth. You know, if you read my mail, you'd be like, what is going on with this stuff with hip hop? And I'm, you know, a hundred years from now. So in the context of that, that was going on in that time was what was going on at that time. And as we are seeing a God that moves all kind of ways, we want to be intentional about embracing the move of God. So Yolanda, uh, thank you for being on the show. Grateful for your words. I know it's going to be impactful. So share with us and give people an insight to your ordination, to who you are as a pastor, to who you are in, 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 in leadership at Breakthrough and at Landmark. Yeah. So th first of all, I want to just thank you for such a, a riveting topic that needs to be explored. A lot of what you said in your intro, I think, um, really frames my own story. I am currently the executive director of Breakthrough Urban Ministries and I am an associate minister at New Landmark uh, Baptist Church. And that is not, you know, where my story begins. It began in a small church in St. Louis, Missouri, that was uh, very much male dominated. And I struggled mm. for a long time 
um, being able to accept my call because I grew up, you know, under the guise that women didn't do that. Right. Um, and to do that meant that you were outside of God's will. And so I think Ooh. those are some of the things that kept me from, you know, fully accepting the role that God had me in my own local assembly, but also in the world. And so wow. I started, um, I was officially ordained uh, in 2016. It, it took forever okay. for me to say yes wow. because of the reason wow. I just explained. I, I, you know, I could not reconcile that um, God could use me in a public ministry um, like mm. that. I have been speaking in churches, was everybody's Women's Day speaker, but could not, you know, bring myself to saying yes to him. <laughs> I, I, I feel like, you know, part of th this entire dialogue, the narrative that we're exploring yeah. is really yeah. about what the body of Christ misses, right? When we mm. don't allow people to fully show up um, and who God has called them to be. Yeah. And that is, I think, you know, for me, what, what made, um, what made me say yes, absolutely necessary um, to my church, but also to the organization where I was already serving. Mm. Let me ask you, when you, you said you, you were in a church in St. Louis growing up. Yes. So let me ask was there a time like when you're in St. In Louis and you're growing up and all of that is coming at you Did you felt, you felt a calling or you felt a nudge uh, of the Lord then to serve, or was it that it was so heavily dominated with that principle and that theology that you even felt ashamed around, like even trying to, what, what, where, where were you at in between those two? Yeah, it was interesting because we, we grew, I grew up in a missionary Baptist church that took the missionary part seriously. So it was the first <laughs> opportunity that I received to really serve people um, who were marginalized in, you know, communities mm -hmm. in St. Louis. We were part of a district that served those who were experiencing homelessness. So I got that experience very young. Um, I became mm -hmm. a Sunday school teacher my senior year of high school. I felt called, you know, to teach. Um, oh, wow. And that was okay because you could do that. You could teach, <laughs> um, but you couldn't, you know, do. So I, I don't know if it was a fear. I think it was me, one, being young and only um, having the capacity to accept the, the part of what I believe God called me to that would be acceptable in the place mm -hmm. where I was worshiping. Oh, wow. Wow. That's interesting yeah. to be acceptable in the place that you were worshiping. That's that's like dual consciousness. You got to live in two two particular spaces in that way. You know, and the, it is the same the, way that I think women have to live now who have been called true. to the ministry. It's that dual consciousness. True. And so I feel like in some way I have been doing that for the majority of my life. Wow. Yeah. I can see that. And that, that's why I asked the question, because if there is a sense of calling, say it's a peculiar calling, um, not anything that is like like uh, what we're talking about now, but say I am called to, um, you know, prostitutes or something. Right. And I want to reach prostitutes. Um, there is sort of like a pushback because there's not a lane for that. There's not like, you know, the prostitute ministry is going to meet on Tuesday at seven o'clock and have a there's not that. Right. It's not in a particular norm. And so some people repress their own unction of God leading them in spaces because it is not uh, accepted. It's not understood. 
um, the courage, that's what I'm saying, right? To step across that is, is, is major, like against all uh, that has been either taught or involved or, or, or whatever. And, and, and then not only is it in that particular maybe congregation, but like you said, outside of it, the whole kind of world around that, right. That perpetuates that same kind of mindset, you know, to the degree that folks are almost like shaming you, you know, can be, can be because they believe a certain kind of way about women, another woman, even another woman, you know, in that same space, in that same space, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think what you, what you've just mentioned really is the space that I lived in. I had to evolve in my own thinking about what it meant to be a woman responding to God's call in a public ministry that required leadership and preaching because I have been taught, you know, that those things were wrong and that God does not move and operate that way. And so, you know, for many years, I wanted to do the work, right, the servant part of of ministry without publicly proclaiming that, yes, I believe that God has called me to a public ministry. I think it's interesting that you used like sex trafficking as an example, because that was the Mm. thing that drew me to breakthrough. I have. (laughs) <laughs> I always felt like, you know, God was calling me to to women um, who were in crisis situations. And my mom mm. was a single mom and I saw her respond with dignity and respect, even when we were struggling to other people who have needs. So we were the Kool-Aid house. Wow. Like you could always come to our house and get Kool-Aid, you know, if there was a family <laughs> member who needed a place to live. So there was this example of, of just servanthood and humility that was lived out in our house. And when I found out that there were, you know, some uh, people who were actually ministering to women who were involved in prostitution on Madison Avenue, I got, you know, curious. And so, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to jump ahead, but I think that was also one of the ways that God, really impressed upon me that at some point you have to do what I called you to do, despite what other people think is acceptable, despite Mm -hmm. your own comfort level. Um, Mm -hmm. And so those are the things for me that helped me. I felt uncomfortable because of my upbringing and what I knew um, or what I thought the Bible said about women Mm -hmm. preaching. Um, And then it was outside of what I wanted to do. Right. I just Mm -hmm. kept saying he's calling me out of darkness. Right. Like, that's what he's calling me to. He's calling me to a life of holiness. And (laughs) so that is what I'm going to pursue because there were there were not people, you know, when I was younger to support what I thought my calling was. Right. 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 No, that makes sense. That makes sense because. Of so many, to make sense on a, in so many ways, but just the warped theology of of folks who believe it, you know, and and people will adopt a way of thinking theologically because of some safety issue. I don't know safety because I want to be liked theologically with other people. I want to be connected to. Uh, I don't want to be looked upon as the pastor or the leaders that are that have seen that. And and but yet, to what cost is that? Right, as well as the uh, the. The fact that you're being safe for what and for who, uh, to the degree that you know, you know, God didn't 
call us to any, any kind of safety, uh, for real, for real, in the sense that for us to be, uh, accepting him and then walking and living for him, can we consider all kind of crazy and recklessness, um, all around? So let me ask you this. What, what is it that, um, when you, when you stepped into accepting that, that, that call and that, and that ordination and everything, what were the layers that you, um, you know, journey through? And we'll, we'll, we're going to, we're going to talk to this and probably carry it over in the, in the next section too, but just start with some of your thinking around that. What were the layers that you, you know, personally maybe fought through, maybe yeah. th- fought through with other, People not believing this is the way uh, to go. Yeah, I'll start with I think where you where you left off is with the external. You know, not only is it safety, you know, wasn't an issue. I'm sure that was some of it, but it's the Mm. power dynamics. And so for me, the external struggles was, you know, wherever there is oppression, we're really talking about people who are feeling like there needs to be a yielding of the power that they have. And so it was being the first woman ordained, you know, in our church. And my husband is the senior pastor. Those were some very interesting dynamics. And, you know, I'm thankful that he has always been, you know, supportive and, you know, was able to walk me through it. But even at that, I understood what that would mean for him. To be able, mm. you know, to stand before our congregation and say, I know that we ha- we don't ordain women and that, you know, this is not something that has been taught or preached. Right. So, yeah. I, so I had to personally wrestle. Right. That was one of the external things like that. Like, I, OK, I don't want to put my husband in this tight spot. And so, you know, as a good wife, I'm thinking about him. Um, sure. And what that might mean in our congregation and the division it might cause. Mm, and, mm. you know, at the end of the day, he was like, don't I've I've got this. You make your calling an election. Sure. <laughs> I can handle Praise it. I've God. got broad shoulders. And so I think those were some of like the external dynamics. The other thing mm. is that my pastor in St. Louis, I love dearly. And so there were still some internal things that. You know, it was like I had a firm foundation. I I, I was privileged to be discipled. Mm-hmm. And so, wow. you know, I didn't yeah, want yeah. to disappoint him. He, he, you know, my father was in prison and he was the one that walked me down the aisle. So we had wow. a relationship. And, wow. you know, and plus I didn't want to be seen as that one. You know, the one mm. that he had said, yeah, you know, these some of us are called and some of us just went. And I didn't want to be the woman that just went. Oh, 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 wow. And and then lastly, yeah, the internal thing, I think, was just, you know, the doubt. God, can you use somebody like me? Are you calling somebody Mm. like me? You know, Mm. am I the vessel um, that that you want to use during this season and time um, to to proclaim your gospel with words and deeds? So, Mm. That was, I think, um, sort of the things that I that I struggled with and the dynamics that existed. And it was probably seven years, seven to eight years before I even said to my wow. husband, I, I think God has called me Pope because I kept doing the thing. So if you can do things, you know, like that, right, you can still speak. And not have to say, you know, I've, I've been ordained. If you can still serve, if you can do the things that you think God has called you to without accepting the title. And that was my life. 
Ooh, yo, this is Church on the Block. Real talk about hip hop, the church in the streets with Dr. Yolanda Fields, Reverend Dr. Yolanda Fields. We're going to be right back and talk deeply, uh, even more about uh, maybe some stories of some particular folks and uh, stuff that they were talking about. Yeah, we'll be right back. Church on the Block. Crazy in the my pain, it's so deep. New videos, music, articles, devos, and more. Stay connected. Get the app now so you don't miss a thing. Visit holyculture.net. Church on the Block. We'll talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. You know the topic we're talking about. Can she preach? Or why can't she preach? Why can't she pastor? Yeah, we all in your face with it. Or maybe we're not in your face. Maybe you with us with it. You just in the zone in the zone. We are now talking uh to powerful leaders, powerful women, powerful pastors who have been leading congregations, teaching and preaching, so that you who have a peculiar way of thinking about theology, or maybe you've been taught a certain way, and maybe you've been taught a certain way, and you don't even know why you believe that. Like if somebody really pushed you to the wall and said, why do you believe this? Uh, 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 you got to live or die. Um, you really couldn't have a theological framework to say, well, you know, theologically, you you just have adopted it. So our point is, and even if you have adopted it, our point is, is to have you think through, reconsider, reevaluate through human beings who are living for God, love the Lord. You can't suspect that. Um, and from that perspective, are called by God You've got to look at that in another way to say, you know what? I got to figure this out. There's no way this person's not called by God with what she said, how she said it, how she preached. Shoot. There have been many women preachers who I've listened to who I've said, look, I need to stop preaching. Why am I preaching ever in life? <laughs> let me just let me just be your road manager and let me tell the world about what you're doing. Lord, I can't say a word. What did you just say? Did you see that text? Lord, I can't. No. I mean, matter of fact, Burn all these sermons. I was just the reality of, of how powerful God has used women in those spaces. And if, if there was freedom in that space, yo, how much more the kingdom of God would be? I mean, we probably wouldn't have as much rip in the church. I mean, we probably would have, because women's perspective, I think, in so many ways, I got two beautiful daughters. I got, you know, married to a beautiful woman. I have grandbaby girls. Uh, uh, and so they've checked me in a lot of different ways. I'm like, yo, I never thought about it that way. And, and, and learning from them growing up with them, you know, as a dad, learn, I, I believe, and hopefully it's, it's empowered me to be uh, more welcoming and more intentional about moves with women. And yet, if I had been rigid in some force, some, some type of way, how much I would have damaged them, my family and others around. So that's the part I think just want people to really realize theologically where, where the hurt, harm and danger. So, Yolanda, Dr. Yolanda Fields, Reverend Dr. Yolanda Fields, you have talked to us about the call to serve in a, in a place pastorally where you waited like seven years, though you were still preaching and teaching in other spaces. And that perhaps maybe have, may have, may have been like, okay, I'm, I'm going to stay right here. Or man, I'm still called to pastor, preach in this context uh, um, as, as a pastor and lead in this way, but I'm going to push that back. Um, what, 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 what was the nudge around that? And um, what are some, some stories or some situations that may have happened um, on both sides, either that, that that ticked you off because it was so bogus and or it fired you up because it was affirming? Yeah, I think um, when I think about my life, I am always uh, really curious about 
you know, ways where balance existed. And I think in accepting my calling, especially as I talk to other um, women uh, preachers and pastors, I think what I experienced was mild and most of my conflict was internal. So I know that, you know, I have uh, been with my husband places and, you know, not been allowed into the pulpit. I know that, you know, I have preached from side podiums and all kinds of things. And, you know, as disturbing as that um, is, I, I don't think that I was never discouraged in the same manner that I was encouraged. And so I had already built wait, up in wait, my wait. mind. So, wait, wait, mm-hmm. go back to that. You said now that that's powerful. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Say that again now. Say that again. Yeah. We talk about our own discouragement um, as a, you know, a woman doing the preaching yeah. and teaching and pastor. And that was discouraging. But the discouragement I felt was not nearly as great as the encouragement I felt. And okay. so that was a okay. surprise to me okay. because wow. I anticipated when I announced my calling, especially in our you know, congregation that there was going to be this big rumble and this fallout that mm-hmm. hadn't been done. Now, of course, there were lots of mumbling and people said some very inappropriate things to me. Wow. But overwhelmingly, the voices that were for me were loud mm-hmm. and they were front mm-hmm. and center. So I think <laughs> those are the voices that helped me to persevere when I felt sidelined. Wow. You know, those were the ones who you know, helped me to continue to stay close to God's voice and to discern each level, right? Like after he calls you to preach, there generally are some assignments. And in order to get those assignments, you got to stay close. And I think if I had gotten caught up in all of the ways that I was discouraged, I would have missed the assignment Mm. for real leadership. And when I say real leadership, I mean, the ways that I, I was leading was okay. But I think what what he um, had purpose for this season in my life was was different. And yeah. had I stayed in that, nobody wants me to do that. You know, when I show up, they they kicking me to the curb. I'm not getting the same the same money that male preachers are getting. I'm not getting you know wow. the same right. access. You know, all the things. Right. But there right. were women right. and men, yeah, who were saying, you know what, we 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 affirm you and we affirm <laughs> God's calling in life and we are with you. And wow. so those are, you know, the voices that were loud and that I, you know, I really made a decision that I would mm. hear um and that all of the rest of the stuff would become minimized. And so I recognize that there are, you know, some women who are who are in this space who have had to fight really loud for their voice. So I don't take for granted that, you know, I sort of had a platform built in because I am a pastor's wife. Right. So I don't that's a different dynamic also that that I acknowledge, (laughs) you know, some things just happen because of who he is um, and the space that he made for me. Right. Um, but, but but I think when we're talking about, you know, sort of those barriers and obstacles that exist, it really is um, just for women in general. And it is not just the church. Yeah. You know, I lead a faith based organization. 
I've been with Breakthrough Urban Ministries for 20 years. We partner wow. with um, people in the Garfield Park community to build connections and develop skills and open doors of opportunity. And I've been there for 20 years wow. and was yeah. elevated to the executive director's role after a female founder. Mm-hmm. But you have to know that being a black woman who has next, come on, it's different. True. It's still very different. And so she and I have discussed, you know, often how hard it was for her as a female leader. And I feel like I've got double the complexity, you know, (laughs) in my leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And so those, you know, I think that's a whole nother set of barriers that, again, if I did not have a board who was affirming and saying that you were selected and we support you. All of the other ways that doors are closed or the ways that people withdraw, I would be personally impacted by. And so I keep going because I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to do what he's called me to do. And none of the roles that I found myself in have I sought them out. It's what God has, you know, called me to. And unfortunately, you know, as I grow in Christ, I'm becoming less of a reluctant leader. But I was reluctant to answer my call, reluctant to become the executive director (laughs) because the pressure, right? The pressure as a woman leading can be devastating. It's isolating already in leadership. And you know this, Pastor Phil. But again, it's double as a woman. Um, There are just so many other things we have to overcome. And it's not just, you know, self-doubt. But it is those microaggressions that exist around race and Mm -hmm. gender. And I have felt all of them in in the like the fullness, you know, that that they um, can be felt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reality of the layers of obstacles of a a black man, black woman uh, in leadership. Uh, are going to be there. You you got to take that times five to, or ten when it's an African American woman in leadership, pastoring, um, and 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 leading in ministry. To me, to me, in my perspective, because like you just talked about, whether it's microaggressions, whether it is people rolling over what they believe church theology was about a woman in leadership and bringing that into a ministry perspective, like you know, and 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 then you see it, like the microaggressions. You talked about. Making it, you'd have made a decision. This is the direction we're going to go into and how that can be suspect and push back. Why am I debating with you? Everyone else I talk to uh, of color, when I say this or that, they like, they get it, they cool and they move. When I talk with you as a white person in leadership in our organization, you want to ask and flim flam and suspect it every time. Now, I don't mind some pushback sometime, but every time, then I got to ask some other questions. I got to ask some other questions. But, um, <laughs> and the boldness to, it's always upon, I think, African-American leaders, Latino leaders, leaders of color to be the ones to extend grace. And we're going to work and try to get you understand where you're at. Do you see why this is the case? And educate mug. I'm tired of educating people. Get a book. Go get a book. You know, I mean, go to watch YouTube. You know, watch Selma. Go watch Selma. You know, something. Where- oh, I, I don't care. Really? Exactly. Just phone a friend. The pressure of that is too much. And I think, you know, again, as a woman having to say, you know, why your action, you know, impacted me the way that it did because it was racist, yeah. um, you right. know, or because it was biased because I am a woman is exhausting. 
And it it is is very difficult to lead exhausted. Ooh, very difficult to lead exhausted. Yes, yes, that's so true. It's so true. Now, when it comes to pastorally, um, in both of your roles, like um, at Breakthroughs ED, do you find um, a welcoming as a woman pastor in certain sections with with a as an ED role um, with with Breakthrough by other leaders by other? You know, I think that it is it is complex in that there probably are some who will disregard that piece of it because wow. it's hard enough for them to just focus on me leading a business. <laughs> right. So we, they don't even want to factor in those other things. That It's too okay. complex. And then I okay. think for others, they really see that as a plus. Right. That this is someone who is, you know, still leading um, with a foundation of faith and is Christ centered and uh, forward focused. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me. You know, a lot of it is my perspective, and sometimes it's hard for me to talk about the barriers because, you know, life for me ain't been no crystal stair. True. And if I stopped, you know, to focus on all of the ways that the haters have hated, then I become distracted. I've become, you know, um, disjointed. And I really believe that, you know... In my leadership, God has called me to be joyful and mm-hmm. to project joy in the midst yeah. of lament. And so when yeah. we're talking about, you know, a woman in leadership, there are often times when we are just lamenting the ways that we are treated and wow. disregarded. Yeah. And I have experienced that, you know, in mm-hmm. s- subtle ways, you know, by other men in business who overtalk you or mm. who discredit. Mm you know, the direction or the decision, right? Like all of those things um, get multiplied in your life. And after a while, if you are not careful, right? If you're not able to get up every morning with lamentations, with new mercies, right? (laughs) Right, right, You will find yourself bogged down with that stuff that just just keeps coming because it doesn't stop. That's the other thing, right? In these black bodies, you experience it every day. There's no break from it. And then as a woman, um, even as we become more polarized in our country, you know, it becomes even worse. True. True. I mean, the, um, the, the fact of me asking that question was, okay, you're a leader, strong leader, powerful leader, African-American woman in this uh, urban, uh, you know, breakthrough urban ministry. Uh, oh, she must be soft as a pastor uh, leading this. You know what I mean? <laughs> is there is there any is there any any um, observance of of that? I mean, I experience that sometimes as a pastor leading a nonprofit, and so people are shocked when I say, "No, we're not doing that." What? See you. I'm, I'm out. Like like that decision had to be made in a way that direct and straightforward, um, not pastorally in a comfortable way and nurturing that they may have perceived it to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, what has helped me um, with that is, you know, perspective, but also experience. So prior to coming into nonprofit, I worked for a telecom for 10 years and September 11th was a pivotal point for me. Uh, You know, Cy and I were married um, September 22nd. So 11 days later. And as that 
second tower was falling, I was thinking about, you know, growing the revenue of AT&T and realized I couldn't do that. So my experience as a Mm. leader in that space gave me leadership development and coaching skills. So when I came over to the nonprofit, there were some skills that I already had that allowed me to be able to provide structure with grace. And because Mm. I had that experience, right, I understood how to to set clear expectations, how to inspect what I expect, and how to deliver those messages Mm -hmm. gracefully, right? So being able to combine, you know, this um, way of communicating in, in our nonprofit with words that are seasoned by grace became really my saving grace. Um, because yeah. it allowed me to to have credibility as a leader, um, but yeah. also to be compassionate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. That's good. I like that. Inspect what you expect. <laughs> That's a good word, right? That's a good word right there. <laughs> when we come back, y'all, we're going to talk about just the power and what you've seen as a pastor, what you've seen uh, I- impact being made, you know, in light of what God has led you to do and ways in which to uh, also encourage other women in, in leadership, especially even African-American women in the call to pastor. Yo, it's Pastor Phil. Church on the Block. We'll be right back. Holy Culture Radio. Holy Culture Radio is operated by the CoreLink Solution, a 501c ministry dedicated to empowering people to reach their potential. If you feel led to contribute to this mission, visit www.holyculture.net slash donations. Church on the block, I got you right now. I know y'all want me to rhyme. I know it. I can feel it on the radio vibe. This is Pastor <laughs> Phil, Church on the Block, real talk about hip hop, the church, and the streets, man. And we are with Reverend Dr. Yolanda Fields, who is a, just a great friend, great woman of God, great leader, preacher, teacher, um, um, really. And for the long haul, there's one thing to be, you know, committed, but it's one thing to be committed. And, and and consistent, like, and that's the part that um, I love you for, and your passion around that, and it's a motivation for me, you know, uh, as a man, as a leader, as a friend, and so thank you uh, for that. And uh, I know it's not without its uh, challenges and its and its courage in that space. We're talking, as we've been said at the beginning of the time, that you know, why can't she preach? Why can't she pastor? Is our theme, and we're challenging cats to think about their own. I'll just say a bogus theology that folks have adopted and, and, and hindered people in that space. Yolanda, what uh, sermons or, or or messages or ways in which you've seen maybe in your in your own preaching have caused either whether church members or men or women to think differently or just in your own way, the impact of what you've seen God, once you surrender to that call, like seeing God's uh, moving in, in, in powerful ways uh, in, in, in pastoring. Yeah, you know, I I think the the last probably five years prior to the the pandemic, I really felt like I was was calling me to really lead the way and what it looked like for the body of Christ to be united. I've always been one um, interested in collective impact and what mm. we can do, you know, together and mm. how. You know, each of us with our individual actions collectively coming together can change our communities, right? Like, Mm. I am certain that what our community needs is Christ. 
Now we need Christ and affordable housing and economic right. opportunity, right? All the things, but the foundation of what we need is Christ. And so, you know, I really, I felt for a very long time that God has been calling me, you know, really to encourage us through this relational evangelism, right? Mm, I, I yeah. talk about who, you know, Pookie and Ray Ray, who are on the couch <laughs> right. and in the basement. And right. how are we in churches, you know, all day Sunday and <laughs> not being able to live a powerful gospel that will compel them to true. come. True, um, true. And so I think that is where I, I have felt and seen, you know, sort of victory in our ministry as, you know, people have said, hey, you know what? I took that to heart and, and this is how my living has changed. <laughs> However, since the pandemic, God is, you know, he gave me right sort of in the beginning of the pandemic when, you know, at Breakthrough, we were not quarantined. I was still going to work every day. Mm. We were still serving people. But I've always been just really so uh, taken with the Apostle Paul and his Mm. afflictions and his ability to keep pressing forward, right? But there was a passage of scripture that God gave me in 2 Corinthians 6 and 10. And I think the New Living Translation says something like, but our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We (laughs) own nothing and yet we have everything. And that feels like, you know, the theme that God has given me is like living in this tension of both lament and joy, right? Mm. Pastor Phil, you Mm -hmm. and I know this too well. We look all around us and our babies are losing their lives in the street, right? Right. And we are lamenting these things daily. And God says that even in the midst of that lament, you can still have joy, And so I think the ways, you know, for the the people, the women that I am um, really trying to be a part of their influence circle, you know, for uh, the young women that I am discipling, I am asking them to get really curious about how they are experiencing lament and joy. And for Mm. too long, I have been that person who waited, right? Because weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The absence of weeping to have joy. And Paul says, our hearts ache, but we have joy. And so it's this idea that, especially in the inner city ministries, we have got to figure out how we can live in the lament because lament is, is purposeful. It needs to be intentional. We cannot, you know, get to good Friday and rush past it to get to Sunday victory. Right. Right. We can't. We have to sit in the lament because in the lament, we're changed. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what I've what I've really, you know, tried to do in these last two years is say we are experiencing some really hard things as, Mm -hmm. you know, as women um, who are leading um, as people of of Christ. Like, yes. It's hard, harder than it's ever been for me, you know, just to be a woman of God. And in the midst of that, how do we hold on to joy? How do we cultivate it in our lives so that we can be well enough to do the things that God has called us to do? Um, And so that really, I think for me is, is where God has me. And so a lot of my sermons and teachings are leading 
you know, sort of back to that premise that mm. joy and lament can coexist. And in fact, wow. <laughs> it is the way that God has designed it. That's true. That's true. I mean, Cornel West says, you know, a baby's born between feces and urine, right? In the most two grossest parts of our anatomy, um, this baby, this beautiful child, human being is, is born. And so it is, if we're ashamed of living in that paradox, right? I mean, Christ came from heaven to earth. That in of itself is that joy and, 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 and pain, if you will. You know what I mean? And so it is, a, it is from, it is Christ's example to us that we live in that space. And that's why I think this topic to me is even more important because it is, it is that tension that has rolled over from some kind of thing that we can't, we, we have to have this warped sense of a lopsided body, a lopsided kingdom. <laughs> that doesn't work that way. You know what I'm saying? And so I got to have it all clean and neat according to what makes me, what makes me comfortable. It can't be clean and neat to what makes you comfortable because uh, Christ came from heaven to earth which was nasty. Like who want to leave heaven? Yes. That he didn't get bit by a mosquito. Like that you created. Yes. Like I'm saying like, what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what is that about? <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's that roughage. It is that embrace of both. Okay. I don't understand what this text is saying, but I know God wants women to pre- I know God is called all uh, to, to, to prophesy, to call as he's called women and men. Um, so this must be something different. I can't just copy and paste this theology as a way of living in a way of doctrine. Um, and so opening, opening that up. And so you're right. I mean, the, but, but see, here's the thing. If, if women are in that space and my encouragement to dive all the way in and, 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 and find the one or two that, 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 that roll with you. That roll with you, and, and I'm not saying it's not lonely. I'm not saying it's not hurtful. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not a woman. I'm a man. But my point of saying all that is, is that there, there is, like almost more at stake if we're not hearing your voice, and the people right. who've yet to be born, the people in those pews who are like, there's something. I know. I know there's a woman voice that can minister to me and impact what I'm saying as a man um, and, 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 and as a woman. There's a, there's, there's a kid, there's a youth that says, wow, she preached. I didn't even know where I was taught. Then I wanted, I, I see myself in that space. That's what's at stake uh, if, if that's not the place. So fighting through that, that, um, that tension, right? That, that, um, yeah. To that. Yeah, exactly. I always, you know, tell women who, you know, are saying, I believe that God is calling me to, you know, and it does go back to sort of this joy and lament is like, you know what, live in that difficult space and, you know, lament the fact that you are not readily accepted um, to do the thing that God has called you to do, but persevere and be joyous in your perseverance. You know, the one thing that I, I tell my girls all the time that, you know, we have people who are on our team and not in our corner. Mm. And if you as a woman have been called to to wow. preach, there are going to be some people on your team. But you need to get with and link yourself with the folk that are in your corner. Yeah. Right. Like it's a whole bunch of people on the bus hanging out with you. Ooh. But you have got to find the ones who are going to give it to you straight when you are ready to quit and say that it is too hard. I cannot do this because they're not receiving me. They won't let me in the pulpit. They're Mm -hmm. making me, you know, stand to the left of the pulpit at the smaller podium. (laughs) Somebody in your corner needs to be able to say, yes, but God called you to it. I am with you. God is with you and you can do it. Preach, Mm -hmm. teach, lead. 
And, you know, we need those people. God has given us flesh and blood to be able to encourage us. And so Mm -hmm. we have to, you know, link up with those people. The second thing that I I often um, like to share as part of my own journey is that when I was most um, discouraged, it was really me spending time in God's presence. And unlike Mm -hmm. men, and I'm not going to say that's a blanket statement, but women, Mm -hmm. right? Like I have to prepare to teach a sermon and it takes me hours, just like it takes my husband, but I am also cooking. I am also working, right? Like doing all of that. I mean, no shade to him. He steps up, he do his part, but I'm saying the load that I carry is a lot different. And so if I am not regularly spending time listening to God's voice, there is no way I can preach, teach or do anything True, because you're adding preaching as an, uh, it's, it's another element of your character that takes development. Right. And you got to be willing to put in the hard work. And in order to do that, you got to be in his presence. And sometimes, you know, in our sermon preparation before that, we haven't spent enough time at his feet, just Mm. acknowledging who he is. Mm. And um, that is the piece that I say, you know, you, you just need to be in his presence. You ain't asking for nothing. (laughs) Right. You're not seeking anything. You are there acknowledging that he is the God of all gods, that he is sovereign and has complete rulership over your life. And you're Mm -hmm. sitting in that space Mm. um, for that purpose alone. And I think that has been the single thing that has kept me from giving up when I otherwise would. Right. That, that daily engagement in the relationship with God through his word, through prayer. Right. That, that, that's so true, Yolanda. That's so true. Um, One of the things, one of the great, pastors who were on the call with us uh, last week, Gail was saying that women, you know, in light of the, the male dominated uh, uh, some theology stuff with, with pastoring and preaching, you know, finding their own voice, not to be like a man preaching. Right. You know, and, 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 and being able to be like, well, for whatever, whatever projection there are on congregations, like, well, you know, I've been taught, I've been told when I preach, cause I, I, you know, I'm not hooping or that was a good, that was yeah. a good speech, baby. That was a good speech. Right. And, um, having to, uh, study 40 hours for a good speech, you know what I'm saying? But That's right. the, the, That's right. the thing you're saying though, matching with, I mean, blending the two, like studying in the word every day gives you that, I believe that authority, that, that mm-hmm. affirmation, that courage, that, that, um, um, the sermons are fluid, the, 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 it's embedded in the body of who you are. Right. And, um, yeah. you know, that, that, that's a, that's a powerful word. That, that's a powerful word. Yeah. 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 I think, um, even as we think about delivery styles, right. And so we know in the black church, that's a thing. Ooh. And there are some things in certain churches you need to be able to do. Yeah. And I, Admittedly, I'm not, I can't do the things, right? We're talking about, you know, Reverend Gail can do the thing um, and does it well. But I do believe that that is another dynamic, you know, for women, being able to develop our styles um, and have those styles welcomed and invited 
um, in places of worship, right? Like that can become a barrier all in itself because I still hear it when I'm done ever like, wow, that was a great talk. I was really moved by that. And I'm like, at first I would say, oh, thank you. Now I'm like, no, I preached. Right, <laughs> you know, right, I'm like, right, I right. Just say that was a great talk. No, I preached. Right. <laughs> Maybe, right. you know, the breath. delivery wasn't what you're used to. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I did that. The good, right. This wasn't no graduation speech. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think the world has yet to see women liberated in the pulpit, man, to really I mean, there's there's powerful women in the pulpit right now uh, and have been for years. And 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 there are women who we don't even know yet. They were on, on some kind of national scene that are killing it where they are. Um, but yet if there was that freedom and that space, man, there will be so much liberation. Like where Christ is, there is liberty. There is liberty. So, so if, if people are gonna gonna reach out to you, uh, Reverend Dr. Yolanda Fields, where would they reach out? What would be a way of folks for folks to catch up with you? Yeah, there are a couple ways. Uh, breakthrough, B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot org. You can go there um, and find me, Yolanda Fields, on Facebook, on Instagram, and all of the places. It is simply my name. Um, and I, uh, I truly welcome connection with other women, particularly women yeah. who are still exploring um, their call and those who have said yes. The one thing I always joke with my husband about, there are lots of places where the male preachers meet up and eat and, you know, True. they've got all of the communities that exist. And as women, <laughs> we haven't developed that yet. And so I'm open mm. um, yeah. to all of that, but also to helping people live an authentic Christian life. True. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. I know uh, I would get together with some preachers when I was young in ministry and we would I would just sit and just gobble up all the little nuggets they were talking about with sermons and sermons that, you know, um, what am I, what am I talking about lifestyle so much? But they were talking about sermons all the time, you know? Uh, so, so now we want to make sure we blend it uh, together. Time to drop bars. Well, let me drop this on y'all, man. There was a dude named Mr. Yates. He owned a farm during the Depression. And during that time of the Depression, he was back a couple of months on his on his mortgage with the whole farm. The bank came to him and said, we're going to give you 30 days. He said, cool, give me, give me 30 days. I'll see what I can do. Well, on the 27th day, he hadn't been able to find any money. But somebody came to his door and said, hey, we think... You might have oil in your area, and we want to we want to knock and see and bust things down and see if we can, if you have some oil there. He said, "Man, go ahead. I've owned this farm for so long. Go ahead and see what they, it wouldn't hurt." Man, they dig and they tapped into eighty seven thousands of eighty seven thousand gallons of oil every day coming out of his farm. Now the question is, when did that man become a millionaire, a multimillionaire? Did it come when he when he tapped the oil, or did they come when he bought the land? You know, it came when he owned the land. We who are followers of Jesus Christ, we are in the land. We are there. Do not allow who you are created to be, to be squashed by some bank, by some other people, suspecting your gifts, suspecting who you are, recognize who you are. Allow God to open that up. Tap into that. The kingdom of God needs you. We need your voice. We need your word. Yo, this is Pastor Phil with Reverend Dr. Yolanda Fields, my friend. Thank you for your words. We'll be back next week. We out. Thank you for listening to Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. We're back here, same time, same day, next week. Come with us. Tell them it's crazy in these streets. Tell them it's crazy in these streets.